Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to The Scoop. I'm your host, Frank Chaparro, editor-at-large at The Block, and we are continuing down the rabbit hole of SBF, FTX, and the ongoing trial that kicked off this week on the other side of the mic. We've got the Wazi lawyer joining us. He's part of the FTX Coalition 2.0, and you've been following Obviously, the bankruptcy um, proceedings, we all kind of had to become experts in some capacity in bankruptcy, whether we wanted to or not. So let's sort of just start. We, we have a headline um, on the block.co that basically uh, walks through this anthropic raise, right? So FTX, for folks who maybe aren't familiar, uh, I think had a $500 million investment in anthropic. And now it seems like they're going to be raising from Google and others at a very high valuation, looking north of $30 billion, according to reporting from Bloomberg. Um, I think it was Bloomberg, at least. So let's let's sort of maybe start there. When you saw the news, what was your impression? And um, I mean, do you have a sense of what the road is to full um, making everyone fully, um, fully whole. Yeah, I think this is certainly very, very good news, right? Um, so when I first sort of spoke about this FTX thing, you know, many, many months ago, the um, it was always the case that the a lot of the potential recovery would actually come from the venture book of FTX, where a lot of value is. I mean, essentially, at the end of the day, you've got Sam that's you know basically stolen. The customer funds and then gone and sort of gambled it away at Alameda, and you're not getting those get that money back, right? So they've also taken some of the money and put it into the venture book, and the one of the sources of recovery certainly that the venture book does extraordinarily well, uh, to the point where we can now pay everyone and make everyone whole. Uh, with the recent news, clearly, I mean, I think previously a lot of people, I won't say a lot of people, and none of it's financial advice, of course, but. I understand that distressed funds who have been buying these claims have been pricing, you know, eventual recovery in a couple of years, you know, pricing it at, you know, between, you know, the more conservative ones kind of go for 50 cents on the dollar. Uh, the others sort of go for about 60 to 80 cents on the dollar. So now that you've got Entropic that's raised at a higher valuation, um, that, 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 you know, that there's another, what, two, three billion dollars we didn't know was there. And that clearly is, you know, I think as your article says, about 30 cents on the dollar if it can be realized. So that's probably the keyword, right? You've got to be able to actually sell that stake for $3 billion. Um, and if they do that, Yeah. And who are the buyers of that size? Correct. Yeah. Who are the buyers of the size? You necessarily have to take some sort of discount because it's one thing for a company to raise at the valuation, right? Because you're putting in money into the company and the company's using that money that you've put in for growth. It's something entirely different for you to take that money and give it to someone else for their existing stake in the company. So will they realize it at $3 billion? I'm not sure. Um, probably have, They probably will realize a reasonably large profit on it. Let's say you do a, even if it's like, let's say a 50% discount OTC, right? Um, if they did that, I think the FTX creditors would probably like, you know, be very, very upset because they, they think that they'll think that's a bad deal. But let's say you, even if you did 50%, you are 
getting basically a billion dollars plus that you didn't know was there before. And that's an extra 10 cents of dollar in recovery. Yeah, it's it's definitely a good outcome. Do you think it might impact or change the dynamics of Sam's criminal trial? I don't think so. I don't think so. Like, I think what Sam did fundamentally is, is just criminal, right? Um, I think I think in, in wake of the whole Sutu going to jail thing, you know, this 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 concept of prison has sort of come up a lot. And while while I see why Sue ended up in prison for like not cooperating, for dodging court orders, etc. I always tell people, and I get a lot of flack for this, that when you compare morally what they did, like Sam was outright stealing money. Um, Sue was borrowing money for hedge fund, right? When you put money to Sue, you expect he's deploying the capital somewhere. Even if he was reckless with it, he you know, allegedly may have misrepresented on it. But when you look at what Sam has done, when you give him money, he wasn't meant to do anything for it, with it. He was meant to just you know, transact trades. He was meant to do exactly what you told him to do with it. Then he takes it and goes and fucking you know, invests it. And also the garbage uses it to like leverage trade all sorts of shit. So, yeah, I think I think Sam's definitely a criminal, right? Like, it's definitely theft, definitely fraud. And the 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 venture the venture book is kind of the is sort of the uh, Achilles heel, if if you will, in terms of that is that locked up the cash. So when shit hit the fan, and when loans were recalled. There, they, they didn't have any. They didn't have a cushion in this scheme. I mean, let's say they could have maybe powered through it, the hump of of the loans being recalled by Genesis in the wake of Three Arrows. But they didn't give themselves. I mean, even in this in this scheme, he didn't give himself enough room to. He he just went completely levered to the max i mean he didn't give him any he didn't give any room to to correct it's it's maximum bad faith on his part right it's not like he was taking the ftx international money investing it into like and dropping at his venture book and then if any profits accrued it would like magically accrue to the people who deposited him that was not what he did what he did was he took the ftx money loaned it to alameda alameda then i think had an intercompany arrangement where they lent it on to uh i think it was paper bird i think like a uh, uh, holding company that belonged to Sam. It didn't belong to the FTX International. Yet. It belonged to Sam, and then Sam then pushed that money down into his into into a ventures entity. So Sam was straight up just taking people's money to gamble on, um, you know, the venture book. I mean, what's good for us is if the venture book, if his gambles paid off, if at least one of them pay off, Entropic pays off. Brilliant, you know. If I, Entropic goes IPO in you know, a couple of years, brilliant. I think that's also, that's also what I think drives the demand for. I, uh, I'm, I'm hearing a lot of calls within the um, sort of FTX coalition group about wanting to tokenize Entropic. Um, personally, I'm not. I haven't really looked into that much detail, like whether this is even a good idea, how you get around the legalities, how you get around, you know, yeah. I mean, the, some of these documents are just not public, right? But that, that's also, that's why Entropic news is getting people very excited. Can you walk us through um, the role that creditors have in this process relative to the estate, relative to John Ray III, um, and maybe even you yourself personally? How do all of these various characters coordinate? How how do they sort of – what is their role exactly – 
um, edify us on on that. I'm I'm not completely right. plugged in. So uh, the chapter eleven process is known as an incredibly data friendly process. So it's actually quite unique in the world because most of the other jurisdictions, bankruptcy jurisdictions, are creditor favored. You know, the thinking being now that you've gone under, your responsibilities under the creditor, the debtor should be unseated. Normally, you have a professional in there. Um, this is actually not the case with the US Chapter 11. Like if Sam wanted to, or if Sam hadn't resigned and appointed John Ray, he could have sat there on FTX while it goes through a Chapter 11, right? So what the debtor, what, why it's so debtor favored is because you can, the debtor retains control of the bankruptcy process. They can sit there, they have the initial, what they call the exclusivity period, where they are the only ones that can run a restructuring plan. They have now recently extended the exclusivity period even further. And during this exclusivity period, the debtor is in full control, right? They consider, they, they invite bids, they run the bidding process, they set the timelines, they get a blessed by the court, of course. Um, they come up with the plan, potential plan to take the company, you know, out of the Chapter 11 process. And at this point of time, the creditors community, um, the average creditors tree, the ad hoc community, uh, these guys... You know, they don't really have that much of a say. So there is a unsecured creditors committee, of course, and they are meant to have something of a say. They're meant to have some sort of oversight over it. But if you look at the correspondence that's come out, um, very, very public correspondence come out, it's very clear that the debtors and the unsecured creditors committee don't see eye to eye um, on one end. And, and it's kind of understandable, right? Because on one end, you've got Debtors, the, the guys in control of debtors are John Ray, uh, and he's been brought in specifically because it's a shit show. You've got Solomon and Cromwell, uh, who are you know very tried fire lawyers, and they they are they're looking at everyone with like extreme suspicion, right? Um, this is an industry that they have very little experience with. They come into they walk into what's essentially one of the largest frauds that we've seen, and it's also incredibly politically embarrassing for the US. So they walk in. And they have an incredible suspicion of everyone and everyone. Now, look at their profile. And then you look at the profile of the guys in the unsecured credits community. These guys are crypto guys. They are very smart crypto guys, but they're still crypto guys. And they don't have the bankruptcy experience that, for instance, Sullivan Cromwell and John Ray may have. And that's fair, right? No one likes having bankruptcy experience unless you're a bankruptcy professional. Um, But they do know crypto. They do know how this industry works. They do know how market making works. They do know how exchanges work. Now, what the ideal scenario is for these two parties to combine their knowledge and work together to maximize recovery. But the inherent suspicion between the two groups means that this doesn't work out very well in the grand scheme of things. Because on one end, if you've seen the communication comes out from the chapter 11 side, sorry, the data side, they're saying stuff like, um, you know, we can't trust the unsecured creditors community. They are inside, they they, they may have, they may trade on insider information, stuff like that, right? There's this sort of suspicion that they don't understand the bankruptcy process. But on the other end, you also see the unsecured creditors committee coming out with like responses saying, you haven't consulted with us properly. You know, we have all these ideas about how you can maximize value. Yeah. So the the the, the dynamic yeah. isn't very good. But right now, the power is sitting in the in the in the debtor's hands. So wa- walk us through how those uh, Maybe walk us through how those negotiations um, are are conducted. If you think about something like Anthropic, um, a lot of people last night when I tweeted out that report, my first instinct was this was good 
for FTX creditors, I had folks reach out and say they had they were under the impression that the stake had already been sold. Um, I, I reached out to a few other folks, and and it, it, it seemed to be the case that it had not been, and that was the result of the UCC uh, basically shutting this yeah. this down because it wasn't a good deal and it was too early to be sold. Um, how does that? How do those negotiations uh, work? If John Ray was keen to sell the stake, kind of power through, drive through, and, and get as much as he can, maybe as quickly as he can. I don't know if that's necessarily his his mo. Um, but but clearly, the UCC thought this was a, a bad deal. Wanted to hold on to the stake. How does that? How does that work? How do the, those? Um, how does that back and forth work? The, the UCC has been doing an incredible, an incredibly good job. To, to be honest, I think the UCC has been doing a, a pretty good job, like all things considered. You've basically got a group of debtors who are not full-time bankruptcy professionals um, having to effectively learn the bankruptcy process um, with, you, you know, while the debtors and the debtors' lawyers are being incredibly unfriendly to them and push back and sort of check, try and check and balance the debtor from what is really at this point of time a much weaker position. I do know... Um, you know, for a fact that the UCC has been um, pushing back on some very bad deals. They have been, I mean, and it in some ways also, you know, crypto guys can probably value, you know, crypto or Web3 assets a lot better than, um, you know, more TreadFi liquidators, right? So I think for them, it's a matter of picking and choosing their battles. And I think so far they've picked, they've, they've picked and chosen their battles pretty well. Yeah. Um, as for the negotiation process, I, I don't know. I, presume, I assume it's going to be mostly by email. Uh, there's probably going to be some phone calls here and there. That I, I think there may be some in-person meetings, but I'm not exactly sure. I'm not in the room. so. Well, I, I mean, more so like whose discretion, like where does the final say it would reside in John Ray? Yeah, I think the final say would reside mostly in John Ray, but the uh, sale, any sale also needs to be blessed by the court. Right, because uh, if you do a what they call a three six three sale, the court needs to be satisfied that this is a, this is a good idea, and if the uh, 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 light light it on fire, gonna, like, you know, yeah, basically the, raise the court's hell, not going to agree. Exactly, and the, the judge is going to be like, well, maybe you need to listen to these guys and see whether or not they actually have a point. I mean, the other the other force which I think hasn't been discussed as much is the ad hoc committee. Um, it's a bit of a confusing concept because you've got so many committees, um, you know, uh, uh, arising. But what the ad hoc committee is, is it, it's a committee that's formed ad hoc. So uh, what normally happens is, you know, a group of creditors with aligned interests um, form a creditor block and try and participate in the proceedings. So now there's really three big players right in here. You've got a debtor, who, which is uh, John Ray and, uh, uh, and Sullivan Cromwell. Um, then you've got uh, the unsecured credits committee, the guys that were appointed at the very start. And then now you've got the ad hoc committee who are basically guys that uh, group together. Um, from my understanding, it's a lot of like market maker funds, a lot of like some of these distress hedge funds have sort of grouped together. And then they also want to participate in the process. Can we maybe walk through um, some of the biggest mistakes you think have been made in this process? You don't want to upset anyone too much. Okay, so we're maybe instead of looking back, let's look forward. What what um, what other uh, rocks uh, can be turned over? What uh, cushions can be thrown off the couch to 
to uh, extract more value. And what happens if more value, I mean, if, if let's say the venture book does pop off, um, Anthropic IPOs at a, a, a gajillion dollar valuation, do, do creditors end up getting, I mean, is there, is there a potential not only for just, not only for uh, full recovery, but for something more? I think there's going to be a restructuring plan that provides, I think there's going to be a restructuring plan that provides that any upside doesn't accrue to Sam and it probably accrues to the uh, creditors. The thing is that if the shareholders become in the money, which means, you know, so, you know, let's say you've recovered, you know, $15 billion and there's only $10 billion, $12 billion in liability, he's not even got $3 billion over, um, that means your shareholders are in the money. No, it's Gary and, and Temasek and uh, Sequoia, Multicoin. Temasek and your BlackRock and Sequoia and those guys. And if the and if the creditors then try and vote something true that essentially nukes the shareholders' recovery, the shareholders are going to object, and they're going to have the power to object because on a liquidation scenario, I would have more money. So the the concept of like getting more than whole is a bit difficult for me. Like it, it's it's yeah, it's 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 very difficult for me for me to to to, to think through. I think. I mean, presumably, if you did a restructuring plan before that and you did some sort of debt-to-equity swap, then you wipe out the equity entirely and your debtors, sorry, your creditors now become equity holders, then yes, you get the upside. But you would have to wipe out the equity. And in order to wipe out the equity, the company Fair needs enough. to be solved. To, 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 sorry, the company needs to be negative. To what extent, yeah. if, if we do um, have a path to full recovery, to what extent do... Um, uh, schemes like FTX 2.0 become superfluous in, in as much as w- w- what's the point of doing some of this extra stuff, whether it's that or tokenizing Anthropic, if if there's a clear path, it seems like almost like unnecessary additional work. Well, that's a very, that's a, that's a very good point. Um, I, I think that if you could get full recovery, the cleanest thing to do is just to give everybody back all their money and see what happens next, right? The, I think that the reason for FTX 2.0 is that potent, because, I mean, it's appealing for a few reasons. One, if you don't have full recovery, it provides a route to eventually getting full recovery because you have an operating business. It was a business that was profitable. You have a business that's operating. It accrues value. And therefore, it could potentially make your creditors whole. So that's the first appeal for it. The second appeal is that it very much becomes like a potentially profitable trade. Because if you do an FTX 2.0 and you provide people either the, the option or you just do a, a debt to equity swap on that, equity upside is unlimited. So some people are certainly looking at it going, look at what's happening in the market now. You have got um, Binance, which is sort of under a lot of, you know, that's, that's going through a lot of trouble. Um, who, who else is able to provide, to, to capture that um, user base, you know, the demand for uh, an international exchange? And that's why I think some of the FTX 2.0 sort of like proponents are looking at it and going, hey, this is actually a very sane business model. Why, why shouldn't we restart it? And why, why wouldn't we switch some of our uh, um, you know, uh, debt to equity? And this is quite interesting as well, because it is actually a path to make people whole because let's say um, you've got liquidation value of 70 cents on the dollar. Let's just assume that that's the case, right? What if I gave people who have a lot of faith in this project, the right, but not the 
oblig- you're, you're not forcing them to do it, but they have the right to do it. You have the right to give up part of your claims in exchange for equity, right? Instead of getting 70 cents on a dollar, you can opt to get 30 cents on a dollar, but you get equity in a new company. Okay, those guys who believe in it will be, holy shit, I should do this because I get 30 cents back on a dollar and I ba- I'm basically become a venture investor in an exchange that could capture a lot of market share. Whereas those who opt not to do it are happy because now I get 100 cents on a dollar. <laughs> so it comes a little bit of like game theory there, right? Like if more people uh, 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 swap, it means it's, you know, your, your debt gets paid yeah, off. Yeah, fair enough. Um, it, it's interesting uh, that you bring up how FTX was a money-making uh, uh, entity or machine. This is a point of controversy with Michael Lewis uh, kind of pointing that out in 60 Minutes, um, where where it's almost like the the crypto universe has become so in, in, you know so bitter about Sam and FTX that they forgot that there was like an actual there was there was a business there that FTX did make money. Um, now was was it always operated within the bounds of uh, what is ethical or legal? No, but um, it's not like it was completely made up, and I feel like people have kind of lost a bit of si- lost sight of that. Yes, absolutely. FTX was an inc- the, the, the funny thing about the crypto space is people are always very ready to like dump on people the moment it goes to zero. But when it's doing well, everyone, everyone was like, you know, pardon my language, but like riding Sam's dick, right? I mean, until he, until he went to US and tried to regulate all his competitors' of existence. But before that, it's like, oh yeah, Sam's like this like golden boy of crypto. He's going to make crypto legitimate. He's going to bring in all the users, right? It's kind of like Doquan as well. Like Doquan is like celebrated as like hero that was bringing all the retail adoption. And then the moment it collapses, it's like a scammer, fraudster, whatever, right? So I think crypto tends to be a bit reactionary, but it's, it's absolutely the case that exchanges print money. If Sam wasn't, you know, being absolutely stupid about it, like he could have run this business for a very long time. He just got very greedy. And he kind of developed a bit of a god complex. Um, yeah, actually, another, another, I mean, another topic that might be worth talking about is actually the preference stuff, because it's been circulating a lot. And you mentioned about pots of recovery. One of the pots of recovery is the unfair preferences, and it's something that's quite difficult. I think that I think the 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 creditor base is going to be very torn on unfair preferences, because the thing about preferences is that. If you aggressively pursue unfair preferences, you're almost giving up the value of FTX 2.0, right? It, it almost can't coexist, um, mainly because of this, right? If I go to every single creditor, who, every single person who withdrew money from FTX and I say that I'm going to pursue you for all the money that you took out, how many of them are going to come and trade on FTX 2.0? Zero. None of them, right? So that wipes out the value of the exchange itself. Um, but if I'm not launching an exchange, then it makes sense to pursue them. But uh, then, then there's the question of fairness in pursuing them generally, right? I mean, the people will say that the clawback is unfair, but the, the basis of it is actually really fair. The basis of it is that, well, some people got out, some people didn't. So the fair thing to do is everybody puts your money back in and everybody gets a pro rata share of, 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 um, of what happens at the end. But how it's practically going to play out is going to be very different because the way clawbacks are going to be enforced is going to be quite different, Right. Let's say you've got an American fund that banks in America with American founders um, and withdrew $20 million. 
right? These guys are going to have a lot of difficulty trying to defend the preference because I, I, I mean, it's very easy to enforce against them, right? I can uh, get the judgment, get the order from the, 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 the bankruptcy court, enforce against the assets going in America, right? So if I were to settle with them, I'd settle with them at a, you know, they, they wouldn't get as good a deal. Now imagine I've got some guy who's like unKYC, you know, you know, out in the fucking middle of nowhere or some other jurisdiction that's hard for the US to get access to or to enforce a judgment on and his anon and like, yeah, there's all, 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 all this like di- enforcement difficulties. Am I more likely to settle with him on more preferable terms for him? Yes. So there is going to be some sort of like injustice um, according to individual circumstances. Some, Im- some, some, um, an, um, an imbalance. Yeah. Th- yeah. Uh, like, because you have to be practical about it. Like, I don't expect most people, especially any, like, especially anyone that has like large preference exposure. Let's say you've got millions of dollars in exposure. You're going to lawyer up. You're not going to like hand over the money because they tell you to hand over the money. And these are the guys that is valuable clawing back from, right? Because what, what, what's going to happen is that, you know, if you send an email out and you scare the shit out of like a guy who's withdrawn 50K, 100K, that kind of isn't, they, those guys are either going to not respond to your email or they'll capitulate and they'll just send you all the money, right? The ones that you actually want to claw back from that, that have large pots of value are those like big guys. But big guys can do a lot of things to frustrate. Yeah, fair enough. So I'm curious um, when when you think about an, an, a potential um, when you see these headlines of, of various firms or entities interested in the the bidding process of FTX. Um, I think that process uh, will, will culminate in November um, with with bids. I think you you need to submit a bid by the end of September so that. Uh, date has passed at this point. Do you have a sense, or or maybe we can you can speculate, um, and and you know that's fine as well. What what are they buying? So we've seen bullish, we've seen tribe. I've heard rumors of um, what's the other one that that I've heard? Um, Figment, I think it is, or, or I think it's or figure. I'm not 100 percent sure. Um, so maybe we'll cut that, but. What do, do you have a sense of what they're actually what the IP is like? Are they are they getting? Is it is it a list of customers? Is there sp- specific infrastructure? Is it the assets? What what exactly uh, is in that deal? Do you have a sense or or what would you? I mean, it's. I mean, the, the value in it is probably almost certainly the well, we say customer list, but it's really the fact that yeah, I mean that. The, the fact that customers are owed money in itself is an asset because I mean, think of it this way, right? If I go in and I have an ex, I have an existing exchange, I go in and I uh, take over the FTX um, obligations at a reasonable price. And I let everyone cash out 50 cents on a dollar, for instance, on my exchange. Now I've got millions of FTX customers having to register on my exchange, KYC on my exchange, and start doing shit on my exchange. So now there's value in simply just buying a customer list. And I'm not going to launch FTX 2.0. I just want FTX customers. So that is value. That's one, one pot of value in itself. Now, the other pot of value is I don't run an exchange. But I've got a creative way of launching FTX 2.0. Now, I get to launch an exchange. I give customers some sort of upside in it. And now they all become natural customers of my exchange. 
in fact, one of the things I advocated for as well is how you get how you get um, quote unquote new money, like people who may have withdrawn money to come back and trade on exchange, um, which I've gotten a lot of DMs about, is the concept of settling unfair preference claims by volume. Right? You've got unfair preference exposure. You're afraid the FT is going to sue you. We're not going to sue you. As long as you come and trade this amount of volume, we'll let your claim go. And you get to accrue rewards. You get to accrue whatever it is. Um, and at the same time, you settle the the, the, the the claim against you. So that's one option, um, which I think is really cool and they should consider. <laughs> mm, that is pretty interesting. I hadn't heard that before. Um, well, I want to be respectful of your time. Any Any closing thoughts? Anything you think people aren't maybe paying attention to or... Have we covered um, most of the landscape? I think we've really covered most of it. Um, at some point of time when, I mean, the pro, the bankruptcy process is a long one. And at some point, there's going to be uh, a restructuring plan. A plan of reorganization is going to be filed. And it is at that point when creditors and cu- customers and creditors of the exchange can really let their, um, let their thoughts be known on the plan. So that's, this is the big check and balance on the estate. If the estate comes up with a shit plan that you know provides bad recovery or it sells assets at a discount or it does stupid shit, customers actually have a lot of power to vote it down. And customers might think, hey, I, I'm, I, I have like $50,000 on FTX, so I have $5,000, I have $300. Like, what, what power do I have in the grand scheme of things when you've got funds of hundreds of millions of dollars? But... The nice thing about Chapter 11 is that there's actually two requirements to pass a plan. One, you need two-thirds in value to pass a plan, right? But two, you need a majority mm. in number. So the little guys closing. matter as well so as the big even guys. even if you had... Exactly. Exactly. And this is, very, very un- this is a very unique situation because you may have funds that hold, let's say, $4 billion of debt and only $5 billion is voting. So you got 80% by value. Right, but as long as you've got like five thousand little guys show up, they probably outvote the funds, so they can't pass. Yeah, and and, and that's what you call uh, uh, negative control. Um, negative control in that you cannot push something forward, but you can block it, and therefore, no matter what happens, they have to take your views into account. And the easiest way of doing that is to stay informed, don't obsess over it. I think that this has a risk of like having people obsess a bit too much about it and kind of ruins your life, it takes over your life. But kind of like stay in the loop, think about what makes sense, what doesn't make sense. Um, and then um, when you get the chance, vote. Yeah, that's the best advice you can give, I guess. I mean, this is, um, I'm sure there are a lot of people out there who are still, you know, very anxious and um, worried about what the outcome would be. Um, uh, but it seems like it's improved. So uh I appreciate you leaving it with some maybe some th- that practical advice for for folks who um, might be listening who are actual creditors and just don't know exactly what will happen next or what to do or how to navigate this entire process. Um, so appreciate appreciate that closing there, yeah. Wazi lawyer. Yeah, I, I mean the other. Yeah, I mean, go ahead. The, the last thing I can probably add right is that if you don't want to deal with the stress of uh, if you don't want to deal with the stress of like participating in the process and so on, you can just sell your claim. Like the like the, the pricing now is transparent enough that it's not is normally not straight up predatory. And if it trades, you know, you trade that for like value for like peace of mind, and and, and and that matters to you, it's worth it. 
Like it's it's better than if if it's gonna affect you in such a way that you know you've got like a multi-million dollar exposure to FTX and you can't sleep at night and you're getting depressed and stuff, maybe just sell it if it's for your mental state. Maybe we can talk very quickly about what that claims market looks like. Do you have a you have a purview into that? What what are claims trading at at this point? It's actually trading at a fairly good price now. Um, I think so. How, how how it normally works is the the funds sort of assess it based on first of all the deals the the the, the claim size and also how clean the claim is. So if you've got a clean claim of a good size, I think it's like above three million dollars, um, you can get above thirty five cents, thirty five to forty cents on in the market, which I think is not terrible given the you know the sort of risk free rate right now. Um, if you have a very small claim let's say less than 50K, that's when your pricing gets bad because what's happening is the, the cost of transacting it you know, becomes um, disproportionately higher. Um, this, and if you simplify the paperwork, they take more risk on you. So when your claim is smaller, you can expect like pretty large discounts on it, you know, maybe like 20 something cents on the dollar. Um, the other issue is that of preference. So um, if you, okay, sorry. That there is a preference point, but there's also whether you sell the debt like a recourse or non-recourse. So it, it essentially, if your debt has preference risk attached to it, right? Let's say you withdrew $8 million and you have $2 million left in the exchange. So there's a potential claim of $8 million against you. You can choose to sell that potential exposure, right? Together with your claim. And what's likely to happen is you're going to get deep discount on it because someone is buying a preference exposure. So there's like different deal structures i suppose but generally for a good clean claim at you know at size you can get 35 to 40 at this point possibly has gone up because of entropic but as of about you know last week yeah ago, 35 to 40 for large clean claims mm. interesting well thanks for that color that context thanks for joining the program hopefully um once once one of those deadlines pass we'll have to come have you come back on to sort of dissect it with us Thanks for taking the time. Yeah, sure. Happy to do that. Cheers. Take care. Yep. And The Scoop will be back for you again with another great guest. Have an awesome day.